This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now we're 14 months away from the American presidential election of 2024. It will be, many believe, the most consequential election perhaps in American history. Joe Biden is the incumbent and he has many problems, including stuff that has reached the surface this week about corruption and his son Hunter. But the opponent, Donald Trump, is a man who troubles the world. He troubles many Americans, and in a way, Biden's victory against him three years ago, in many people's opinions, saved the world at a time when Vladimir Putin had plans, and China had plans, and many Americans had plans to dramatically change our world Biden came to our rescue, many of us believe, and now with 14 months to go, he is in trouble. A charge of corruption against his son is spilling over and tarnishing him. The American economy, inflation is high, prices are high, and as Bill Clinton famously said when he beat George H.W. Bush, that's uh, George W. Bush's father, when he made him a one-term president during the campaign, he said, it's the economy, stupid. That was a phrase coined by James Carville, who was a spin doctor for Clinton, who hardly needed a spin doctor. And next November, when this is decided, it may well be the economy that is Joe Biden's biggest problem. And to discuss the American economy, and what Biden has done in his presidency. We're joined by Chris Johns. Chris, of course, former chief economist of the Bank of Ireland, now a respected commentator with his own podcast, The Other Hand, and a regular and very welcome guest on the stand. Chris, thank you very much for joining us. I think the election in 14 months' time, it's not an overstatement, is it, to say it will be perhaps the most consequential election of our lifetime. Well, you've probably heard of somebody called Marjorie Taylor Greene. I have. Who is a, <laughs> an elected member of, of Congress who only, I think, yesterday suggested that if, if that election doesn't go 
their way, and by their way, it means the Trumpian side of the Republican Party, which is essentially all of them these days, she suggested that some states should begin to secede. Yes. And to leave the Union. So uh, I'm not in the camp of those people who say that America is destined for a rerun in some shape or form of the, of the Civil War of the, of the 1800s, but um, sometimes it can feel like that when you hear elected representatives coming out with those kinds of inflammatory remarks. The return of Donald Trump will mean many things for many different people. I mean, obviously, it has many consequences for Ukraine, potentially. Uh, the flow of arms and, and pure cash to, to Ukraine is, is threatened by the absence of Joe Biden, whoever might replace him, actually, from the Republican side, and assuming that Trump is the winner. Um, so there are, there are lots of potential consequences. But one of the problems that Joe Biden has on the economy is that Americans typically, when you ask them in opinion polls, for example, and there are many of these, the U.S. Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, conducts one regularly in which two simple questions are asked of Americans is how do you feel about the economy as a whole and how do you feel about your own economic circumstances and the gap between the two answers that we're getting to that poll has never been wider or at least hasn't been wider for a very long time Americans say they think the economy is going to hell in a handcart for which they blame Joe Biden for some strange reason when asked about their own economic circumstances that accords actually more with what the economic data are saying. And people say, oh, my own economic circumstances are fine. In fact, they're getting better. And when you look at things like uh, unemployment coming down a lot, um, it's essentially a, an economy at full employment. There are more vacancies than there are jobs. Um, wage rates have been going up uh, a bit. Inflation has come down a lot. Inflation's come down in the United States faster than it's come down in Europe a lot faster, yes. actually. Um, it, it's going to be a two-step forward, one-step backward process. And one of the things that Biden stands both accused of and uh, praised for, depending on which side of the fence you're on, are two pieces of legislation. The first is called the Inflation Reduction Act, um, which is now over a year old. And the IRA, as it's called it in the States, um, the New York Times commentator, Nobel Prize-winning economist, actually, Paul Krugman, has described it as the Holy Roman Empire of legislation, in that the Holy Roman Empire wasn't holy, it wasn't Roman, nor was it an empire. And the Inflation Reduction Act has got nothing to do with inflation. Um, it's all about climate. It's entirely about using tax yes. credit and subsidies to essentially get America on the program of the green transition and to be a carbon-free or low-carbon economy. And that's one of the reasons why it's misunderstood, is that it's misnamed. Um, and there's also a second piece of legislation called the CHIPS Act, which stands for Creating Helpful Incentives to Produce Semiconductors, an extraordinary acronym when you think about it. But the two things are related, and they are born of two beliefs that Joe Biden has. Joe Biden is accused by many people of being an ideologue. He's, he's not. He is motivated by belief, certainly, but pragmatic belief rather than blind ideology. The two beliefs that drive these two absolutely key milestone pieces of legislation are the threat that China poses, both economically but, but, but particularly strategically, and the environmental crisis. And these two pieces of legislation are aimed squarely at both those issues. Now, of course, China is an issue that unites 
Democrats and Republicans in the United States because the tariffs, as you and I have discussed several times, Eamon, the tariffs yes. that Donald Trump began have been continued with and indeed um, added to by Joe Biden since he took over. So this this actually, this uh, having a go at China thing enjoys bipartisan support, or at least it should. If the, if the Republicans were in any way consistent with their own stated beliefs, they wouldn't have a go at Biden for this. But of course, they do. So they, they, they are self-contradictory, if you like. But it, of course, with on the environment thing, they, they fundamentally disagree. The Republican Party generally are um, climate change skeptics, and yes. they don't like what Biden has been doing. But what he's been doing is massive, is huge. And uh, if you look at any of the data on the investment in green tech, and this ranges from solar panels to wind farms, batteries, electronic vehicles, you name it, the green revolution has started, mostly as a result of what Biden has been doing. And the amount of money that's going into these uh, ventures, factories are being built, jobs are being created all over the United States. It's huge. Much unremarked upon here, Biden's getting no credit for it in the United States, but it's happening. It's real. Yes, and of course, the main beneficiaries of that will be a generation that is so much younger than Biden. And what prompted us to have this conversation this morning is Biden's appalling poll figures, which are seriously worrying on all kinds of grounds. One, for example, I think over 70% now believe he's too old to run and too frail to run for the presidency next year. And the, the polls numbers are really bad. And you feel if he was running against a credible and, shall we say, normal Republican, he'd be in much deeper trouble. But the, the question also arises of what a Trump presidency would mean for NATO and for Europe, because Biden has invested and indeed inspired a belief in NATO, a belief that was a direct contradiction of the Trump belief, which was that NATO was a nuisance and that it was costing America money and he'd no time for it. Now, if you were to bring that back in, in the present circumstances of the Putin invasion of Ukraine, it would be catastrophic for Europe, for the world, and of course for Ukraine. Yeah, um, Ursula von der Leyen later today actually is going to make a presidential style State of the Union speech about um, where Europe, where the EU, European Union goes from here. There'll be lots of things in it, and it'll be really interesting to see what she says about the potential for a Trumpian uh, United States for a second term of office for Donald Trump, because Europe has to be thinking about strategically the possibility that it's going to have to sort out its own defense yes. generally, and in particular sort out Ukraine, um, should Donald Trump cut off the supply of arms and cash to Ukraine. She's going to have to talk about membership of Ukraine, of the European Union. That's something that is going to be live in the months and years ahead. And there are lots of countries queuing up to join the EU now. Um, there's six or seven countries in the Western Balkans that want to join. There's the long-standing issue of Turkey's sort of application to join. But the two countries that are first in the queue are the ones most threatened by Russia, and they are Ukraine and Moldova. And I think that she may well say something about their application for membership, or at least the process 
that gets them into the EU over, over the years ahead. So Europe has to be thinking about sorting itself out without the umbrella of American support that it's had in recent years because of that simple threat of Donald Trump's resurgence. Of course, it, that threat may not come to pass, but it would be, I think, criminally uh, negligent for Europe not to be strategizing for the possibility. Um, it's, it's, it's real. It's, um, it look from the polls, it looks like to be a 50 50 toss up at this stage. And the consequences for Europe at the very least are, are, are going to be catastrophic. They're going to be large. That's for sure. So Europe has to prepare now. So it's very interesting to see what she says about all of this. Yes. And of course, we will never forget the sight of Trump standing beside Vladimir Putin in Helsinki after a summit meeting and being extremely deferential to the point of embarrassment that an American president should behave in this way in front of Vladimir Putin. But to go back to the economic question, there's somebody called Janan Ganash who writes for the Financial Times, a very interesting and original writer, and he has written this week about Biden and his mandate and what he believes Joe Biden was elected for. And he says, and I quote him, Joe Biden's brief was to end the dark carnival of Donald Trump and to lead the United States out of the pandemic, that's the COVID pandemic. What followed, Ganesh goes on, was a profuse spending spree, subsidies on a scale that might scandalize a gaullist not just startling, it's also allowed the Republicans to draw a plausible link between the administration and the rising consumer prices. So Ganache is saying that Biden really had a mandate to take Trump away, but he's gone much further than that in the ways you've described on the environment most notably and, and really most credibly. But he has done many other things in terms of the support in weapons for Ukraine, as well as money, and galvanizing NATO, and really moving away from isolationism, which is a core value, isn't it, for Trump and his American followers. And isolationism, isolationism goes back a long way in the United States yes, history. Yes, it does. And we can go back to Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh type isolationism of the 1930s. For example, historians will always draw parallels between... And John F. Kennedy's father, uh, Joseph Kennedy, was an ardent isolationist. Absolutely. Ganesh, the writer in the FT that you referenced there, is, as you say, fabulous writer, always interesting, always very original. Um, I read everything that he writes. I think he's one of the FT's best columnists and often find myself nodding along in agreement with a lot of the things that he says and envying his originality, actually, because he is a great original creative thinker. But on this one, I think my own opinion is that he's got it wrong. Um, he talked that mandate that you talked about, what Joe Biden had a mandate for and what he didn't have a mandate for. I think Ganesh, along with many other things in this particular article, is joining too many dots inappropriately. A lot of what he says is true, but then he connects them up in ways that I don't think is deserved. Yeah, let me just, if you like, he, he, he characterizes his own thing in a very neat sort of couple of sentences at the end. He says at the end of his piece, there are water-threading presidencies and wave-making presidencies. 
to attempt the second, that is the wave-making presidency, with the mandate of the first one, which was to thread water, is the mark of a one-term presidency. It's a very profound remark, that, in many ways. It is profound, and it's, it's, it's more than a remark, it's a prediction. It is a prediction, and you can think, for example, and he quotes in his thing, Ronald Reagan, who, like Margaret Thatcher, and alongside her, his great friend Margaret Thatcher, they were elected to turn a tide back. But Ganache is saying Joe Biden was elected principally to stop Donald Trump, but he's gone on and become a proactive president, and we think, I think we both agree, a very good president. Yeah, I think he's been a very good president. I think Ganesh is wrong on this treading water point. And he uh, more than uh, accuses Joe Biden of not uh, obeying his mandate. And one could take issue with what mandate the American people actually gave Joe Biden, because, of course, you'd have to go back and reread all the speeches, look at all of the manifestos, if you like, and say, well, yes, he's true to that and he's not true to the other, and have that kind of almost Jesuitical debate. But one thing that Ganesh does says that I think is completely wrong is that Joe Biden has sought to remake, reinvent capitalism. That's a quote. Yes. 2020 was not a license to reinvent capitalism. And he accuses some Biden of doing something that Biden has not done. And this is the key point. And this is where I think that Ganesh's argument falls down. Biden has responded to what he considers to be key threats facing the United States. So his response has been yes. not to remake capitalism, but to respond to the threats that the United States faces. That's China, that's the environmental crisis, and more recently, the Russian invasion of Ukraine was yes. a direct threat to American interests. So in, in the, on that interpretation of Biden's policies, he's been a pure pragmatist. He has been reactive rather than proactive. He's dealing with real and in the case of the environment, at least an existential threat. As I mentioned with China, he's merely continuing with Trump-type policies with respect to China. And what else was he supposed to do about Ukraine? I mean, the West needed leading in its response to Russia's war. So I think there is a, a big argument to Ganesh's fundamental point, upon which I think this is the, the rock on which his article perishes, is that Biden isn't trying to remake capitalism. And if I can make an economic point about that, this is something that other critics of Joe Biden say, is that he's just returning to Rooseveltian 1930s yes. big deal policies, he's Keynesian economics, that he's uh, Johnsonian, uh, Lyndon Johnson's big society type yes. uh, projects. This is not what he's doing at all. All of that kind of economics involved two key elements. The first was just its broad-based increases in public government spending on a whole range of programs, from roads to um, uh, infrastructure to public sector employees, to try and boost the economy. That's not what Biden has done at all. The second feature, of, which would be familiar to um, a lot of your British listeners from the 1970s and 1980s, some words that have all sorts of awful connotations in certainly British economic history, picking winners. When the British governments of old, particularly the 1970s, tried to give a boost to the car industry, the steel industry, the coal industry, often by nationalizing these industries or, or just subsidizing them, it turned out to be a complete disaster. And we learned that governments can't 
pick winners. They can't say, this industry I'm going to invest in or I'm going to own or I'm going to build up from scratch. We believe that that's anathema. And Ganesh, in previous articles about this kind of stuff, reveals himself to be one of, to, to believe in two things himself. He's really, he really joins in that chorus of don't pick winners, which I think has a lot of evidence behind it. But he's also in a much bigger sort of uh, philosophical sense, a believer that governments can't do very much most of the time anyway. And that anybody that thinks that governments can solve a lot of our problems is deluding themselves. And this is where I think, you know, there is some evidence yes. to back that up, but it isn't, it isn't complete. You know, we talked on our last podcast about the success the Americans had, the, that American government spending and all the technological spin-offs that it had had with, for example, the Apollo moon landings and the yes. technology that we enjoy today. A lot of it flowed from that program. Biden is responding to very specific threats and issues. He's not trying to give the US economy a huge boost, um, although it has been boosted by what he has done. He is simply trying to say, we've got to get with the green revolution. We've got to, to deal with China differently to how we've done in the past. And we've got to support Ukraine. That's very, very different to Roosevelt in the 1930s. Yes. Keynesian economics, it ain't. And so I think that, you know, you can call it a non sequitur. You can call it all sorts of different things, Ganesh's argument. But I think he, it, it's actually a fundamental misunderstanding of what Biden is doing. He's not pursuing the old fashioned economic mercantilist boosting the economy to create jobs thing. Yes. Although if there are those kinds of positive benefits, great. The, the FT, for example, has recently written a, a tracker article of what has happened since Biden announced his IRA Act and his CHIPS Act, and they have counted $224 billion worth of projects of actual physical investment in clean tech and semiconductor manufacturing projects have been announced in the US since the announcement of those two acts. And along with that investment, the US has counted the announcement of over 100,000 jobs. 100,000 jobs in the context of the US isn't an enormous amount, but it's better than the alternative. And it's really interesting because it's in the manufacturing area of the economy where these jobs are going to be. And it's where the, 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 the weakest and the left behind and the people that Trump tried to appeal to in these manufacturing ghost towns where the companies had shut down, um, this is where they are getting the biggest boost. And in some of the states in the United States where they are getting these jobs, It'll be interesting to see in the, in the months and years ahead whether or not Biden ever actually gets some credit for these successes because they are big successes. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let me take you back to the Green Revolution and the funding of it. And Biden is renowned. And people, friends of mine who've been to the States, say you can see it yeah. as you uh, travel along. The people who will benefit from, from this are the, the younger voters, new generation, and not the old. It, it is an investment that Biden has made that he will never uh, God bless him, see happening. And I suppose there is a cynical idea that he's doing something for future generations. And one of the things we always criticize politicians for is not doing something for future generations, only doing what might them get them reelected next month. And Biden is try- attempting to defy that. But the problem, Chris, is, and I'm not saying that these two things are related his poll numbers mm. he's not getting any credit for this is he no and uh, let me read out something that uh, the chief executive offer of the american council on renewable energy said last month the inflation reduction act which as i say is very misnamed you can let's call it the, the clean tech act is working to accelerate the nation's energy transition spur economic growth and launch a renaissance in the many in american manufacturing i don't think in my career I have ever seen a law have a greater impact on economic development in this country, right. unquote. And, and there are all sorts of different quotes I could um, throw at you. I could talk about announcements by all sorts of different companies. Um, there's a Singapore company announced last month a $1 billion investment in solar uh, manufacturing in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, there's a uh, U.S. manufacturer called First Solar has picked Iberia Parish in Louisiana, not traditional hotspots of economic growth in the United States. These are communities that will really benefit from these jobs. So the economic benefits to, uh, shall we say, left-wing communities are already real. But of course, the, the the irony of all of this is that, as you say, the thing that we criticise our politicians for, particularly I do in the UK, of displaying no strategic thinking beyond their own electoral horizons at all. Um, at best, that's what they do. I mean, Biden is 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 doing things now that will benefit the United States long after he's gone, long after yes. he's gone, and and getting no credit for it. Let me ask you a question about inflation, Chris, which you know, is something my generation, your generation perhaps have experienced in the past. Um, a lot of Americans who are older would have experienced in the past, but the younger generation of Americans will not have experienced that inflation in America was up as high as what, seven, eight percent 
or maybe yes. a little higher, maybe. Now, it is coming down, as you say. Is Biden in any way responsible for this inflation? Is is his, what Ganache uh, infers, are his spendthrift impulses <laughs> responsible for this inflation? I don't think so. And I think the simple reason for that is that you look at the inflation story globally and you see that every country has been affected in different ways. Some uh, actually worse than the United States. And none of them, apart from the United States, have had Joe Biden's fiscal policies. Right. Um, they, so this has been a global phenomenon caused uh, essentially by a combination of the energy crisis after Ukraine and a legacy of the policies pursued during the pandemic. Um, both interest rate and spending and taxation policies were inflationary back then um, and led to a surge in all sorts of different areas. And we've had, uh, in particular, supply chain bottlenecks that caused inflation as a result of the pandemic, none of which was caused by Joe Biden in particular. Um, it's possible that going forward, he generates so much economic growth in the United States that that might add in the future to some US inflation. But I do not, and I, that's only a possibility. And I, you know, that time will tell. I don't know. But, and that's the only caveat I give to my answer that the inflation that we've seen in the United States, neither its rise nor its fall, because that's common to all countries, has got anything to do with Joe Biden's policies. And the, the, one of the many problems that he's got from his poll ratings is that people like Ganesh pin the inflation story inappropriately, incorrectly on him. Right. It's what his Republican opponents do. And so when we get, we might get it today um, or next month um, or both, some small rise in inflation because oil prices have gone up recently. They'll pin that on Joe Biden, unfortunately. But uh, Joe Biden is not in control of the oil price. Saudi Arabia is. Um, and we all know the story there. The, 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 so I think Ganesh is getting this wrong again by saying that uh, inflation is Joe Biden's problem. But this, but the message of Ganesh, I think, is important, which is that the Republicans have been very much better than the Democrats at pinning the responsibility on Joe Biden. And a, a, a better PR campaign, if you like, from the Democrats would be patiently pointing out it's got nothing to do with what's going on in, in Washington, D.C. Neither the rise nor the fall had anything to do with Joe Biden. Okay, a final question about your own, uh, well, I'm not going to call it your own country, you're a Welshman, <laughs> but the mm. UK and what is seen every day now as a, a more dramatic collapse of the latest in houses, hospitals, schools, and a dramatic collapse of the United Kingdom, both economically and socially. How are people there regarding this Tory party, and I mean party rather than government, that has been in charge for 13 years and several prime ministers and seems to be driving Britain on a cursory look anyway to the gates of hell? Well, there are articles and themes, memes, everyday social media and learned media articles about nothing works in Britain anymore. And the various ways that we could list that, the latest being the fact that these buildings have uh, air bubbles in them that are causing the concrete to collapse. The greatest exemplar of that, of course, is the, the Palace of Westminster itself, where the House of Commons and the House of Lords sits. That's been falling down for years. Um, they've been told for years to rebuild it and to get on with it because each year that goes by that they don't do anything with it, it's it, the problem gets worse, the costs get higher, but they don't take any decisions. So a simple 
short uh, strategic decision to rebuild something that if you don't do it is going to fall down is what the engineers say every year you know the palace of westminster itself is part of this more general story about nothing working i read a disturbing article that uh, perhaps inappropriately in some ways but nevertheless disturbing to see it written down by somebody i would normally respect comparing the uk with south africa and yeah. the way in which South Africa has gone in recent years, which of course has been downhill in all sorts of different ways, from, and, and if nothing else, from a pure governance perspective, the ANC have been a pretty disastrous bunch of leaders over the last number of years for South African society, for the South African economy, which you know has suffered greatly from poor, poor leadership. I think that some of the comparisons are are odious, but one of the ways in which the I think South Africa comparison is apt, and this answers your question is that the british people are a bit like the south african people they're losing faith in governments they're losing faith in people in westminster uh, ability or even interest in changing their lives because all they see around them are the the great institutions of britain you know its infrastructure its nhs just just lit, quite literally crumbling so i think people are losing faith and if I just might add a personal note to this, I mean, I do live in the UK now and have done for a while, um, but I do have occasion to come back to Ireland quite a lot. I had an occasion to walk around Dublin recently, a long walk. It was very pleasant. And I hadn't done this for quite some time. And so I'm uh, because of this frequent flitting backwards and forwards between Ireland and Britain, I, I can gauge sometimes, you know, uh, in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that is difficult to measure. This is a vibe, this is a feeling. It's also based on observation, based on data. Highland has a very different feel to the UK. Dublin has a very different feel to the lots sorts of places that I go to in the UK. And to put it very simply, it's much better. It's up, okay. it's vibrant, it's hopeful. Um, there are things going on, there are things being built. Um, the people seem happier. Okay, Chris, uh, they would certainly be happier when they hear you saying that, praise from abroad is always welcome. Thank you very much indeed to Chris Johns. We're very grateful to Chris. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.